as we come to look at God's word in the Bible together. Uh, let's pray that God would speak to us wherever we are by the power of his spirit. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that Jesus is indeed the super saviour. He is the one mighty to save, to rescue us. Please, as we look at your word in the Bible now, would you teach us wonderful truths about our Lord Jesus? For his name's sake. Amen. Well, let me ask you the most important question that you'll ever be asked. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, God's King, the Son of God, and by believing, do you have life in his name? That's the question that the Apostle John, who wrote our Bible reading, would want me to ask you this morning, because that's why he wrote it. He said that in verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. He says Jesus is the Messiah. Not Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, the dead man Jesus was God's king when he was alive. No, Jesus is the Messiah, the risen ruling king who you can know personally. And I want to show you from this Bible passage why that is the best news in the world why it's more important than your health, because it offers hope, even with COVID-19. Why it's more important than your wealth, because it offers you the riches of God's love, even when lots of people are losing their jobs. Why it's even more important than being able to do what you want, when you want, when lots of us are struggling with having to stay at home, when we'd love to be out and about in the countryside on this beautiful sunny weekend. I want to show you why the risen Jesus is the best news in the world. From John chapter 20. And here's the first reason. Because of the risen Jesus, you have a future after death. You can have a future after death. And that's what the empty tomb teaches. And the tomb was definitely empty. Though first of all, the disciples think it's a case of body snatchers. Do you remember what happened? Mary came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Open tomb, no body. There can only be one explanation. Some, someone's nicked it. And no wonder Peter and the other disciple, which is John's rather modest way of talking about himself, run to see what's happened. When they get there, Peter goes into the tomb, and we read this in verse 6. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as was the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, whom had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. See, John sees the empty tomb, and he believes. He believes that Jesus is alive, that he's risen from the dead, just as he had promised. Now, without Jesus, there is no hope after death. You see, only Jesus came back from the dead. No other religious leader walked out of their tomb having been stone cold dead. And death really is a problem. A lot of people are very afraid because of death now, aren't they? COVID-19 has made that very real to us. It's why when you're maybe out on a walk, some people get angry with you if you get too close to them or they, they get into the hedge so they can keep two metres apart. 
It's why so many people are wearing masks. And yes, some are wearing them because they want to protect others, but a lot of people are just afraid of getting a disease that might lead to their death. And a fear of death is very normal. A couple of years ago, we heard very sadly that my nephew's best friend Alex had died in a rafting accident. He'd been in Nepal on one of those white water rafts and the raft had turned over and he'd been caught under it with one of the instructors. Now death, his death, was a tragedy. Death is always a tragedy. Now, the Bible describes death as an enemy. You see, it robs us of the people we love. It brings grief and sorrow and loss. But Alex's death wasn't the end. Because he believed in Jesus, he had a future after death. And so in the raging water under the raft, when, when the instructor who was holding him said that he couldn't hold him any longer, 18-year-old Alex looked up into his eyes and said, I'm ready to meet my God. And with that, the instructor lost his grip. Earlier in John's Gospel, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though they die. Life after death. It's a nice sentiment, isn't it? Especially if you lose an 18-year-old you love. But on the first Easter Sunday, life after death becomes a reality as the tomb is found to be empty and Jesus has risen. So with Jesus, you can have a future after death. Death's not the end for us. But heaven is our home. And one day the Bible teaches we will rise as Jesus did to be with him forever in a perfect new creation. You can have a future after death. That's the first thing John shows us. The second is this. You can have a father in heaven. That's what we see when Peter and John return home, leaving the weeping Mary outside the tomb. Though when she finally plucks up courage to look into the tomb, the tomb is far from empty. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. Mary clearly doesn't recognise that these are messengers from God. We read on. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? That they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. The fact that the next verse was written must have caused Mary huge embarrassment whenever John's gospel was read out to her, because verse 14, at this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. Whether it was the tears running down her face, the stress, or just the fact that the last thing in the world she expected was to see Jesus alive, we don't know. But they have quite a chat before she realises who it is. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. If you made this up, 
Wouldn't you have had Mary seeing Jesus and saying, Lord, you're risen as you said, and I believe. I expect that's what she wished she'd actually said. Because that's exactly what had happened. Her precious Lord is alive. The one she loves is standing there in front of her. And he does, as he does so, he tells her now that she has a father in heaven. Of verse 17, Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not ascended to the Father. Go and said to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Because Jesus is alive, his followers can now enjoy a new relationship with God. Did you see how close, how intimate that relationship is? God becomes our Father in the same way he is Jesus' Father. God becomes our God in the same way that he is Jesus' God. That's the relationship where we find love, where we find security, where we find purpose. A few years ago, we were watching a documentary about the royal family, and there was the Queen and Prince Charles and, and the rest of the family. What was slightly odd was to hear Prince Charles call the Queen Mummy, or Prince Harry call the Queen Granny. And they could ask her anything they wanted, and, and she'd tell them. And they, they could go into Windsor Castle or Buckingham Palace, and they didn't have to pay any entrance fee. Well, because Jesus is alive, we have something far, far better. We can call God our Father, the God who has created and rules over everything. And we can come to him and ask him at any time and in any place for anything. And he promises to do that which is always best for us. In fact, Jesus describes his followers as being in his Father's hand and that nothing can snatch them out of his Father's hand. That there's no one closer to us than God our Father. There's no one better able to care for us than God our Father. And we don't have to pay anything for that relationship. It's not a relationship we earn. It's not a relationship that we get because we're good people or religious people. No, it's a relationship given to us because Jesus has paid for us. And that's the last thing we see in John 20. You see, firstly, you can have a future after death. You can have a Father in heaven. And lastly, you can have forgiveness of your sins. We see that as Jesus meets his terrified first followers down in verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now, don't you long for peace in our world? I long for, for peace in our house some of the time. I think actually a lot of the time I long for peace in my own heart. And we live in a world deeply at a state of unrest because of COVID-19. But, but it's not just COVID-19 that shows there's something dreadfully wrong between us and, and the relationship we have with our God. No, it's the way that we treat each other. It's the fact there's been a 25% increase in domestic violence since we've all been shut in together. Oh, crime still goes on. Wars are still going on. It's just they've been pushed out of our news by the coronavirus crisis. Now, the Bible says we, we live in a world 
that doesn't have peace. And the reason that the world is like this is because we have rejected God. We said no to his loving rule. We've done that individually, personally, and we've done that as an entire human race. We've declared war on God, but Jesus came to bring peace between God and people. But it was peace at a price. Did you see what Jesus did next? After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they, showed, when they saw the Lord. It's as though Jesus shows them the wounds of war. Uh, for us to have peace with God cost Jesus his life. Uh, just 48 hours before, he was nailed to a Roman cross. And he suffered and died there to take the punishment that we deserve for the way that we have rejected God, the way we've declared war on him. You see, without Jesus' death, we face God's righteous anger forever. With Jesus' death, we have peace with God. That's why he can send the disciples out in the power of the Spirit with a, a message for the world. He says in verse 23, If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. Sin is the Bible word that describes our rejection of God. Uh, if you've got children or young people who've come to our church, they'll have been taught that it means shove off God, I'm in charge, no to your laws. But now sins can be forgiven because Jesus has died in our place. And when he shows his followers his hands, it's as though he's saying, look, the job is done. When Jesus died on the cross, he cried out in a loud voice, It is finished. And the resurrection is as though God, his Father in heaven, looks down and says, Yes, my son, it is finished. You have paid the price. You have taken their punishment. You are innocent. Rise and rule forever. They can have peace with God. See, the resurrection says, Your sins can be forgiven. There is peace with God. That, that deep personal peace of knowing that you're loved by God despite everything you've done. You're loved by God not because of who you are, but because of who he is. That he sent his son to die and rise for you. Three reasons why the risen Jesus is the best news in the world. You can have a future after death. You can have a father in heaven. You can have peace with forgiveness of sins. That's what uh, John describes as life down there in verse 31. A life knowing you're loved by God your Father now and forever. So here's that question again. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God? And by believing that you have life in his name. Uh, there's one person who's struggled to believe in our reading, isn't there? Uh, he's called Thomas. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas has been given the nickname Doubting. And, well, it seems fair, doesn't it? He says he's not going to believe unless he sees. And I guess a lot of us would say, well, I don't blame him. Everyone else has seen. 
Uh, the writer John said in verse 8, he saw and believed. And Mary Magdalene said in verse 18, I've seen the Lord. The other disciples have just said in verse 25, we've seen the Lord. But when Jesus appears to Thomas, well, he seems to rebuke him, almost to tell him off for not believing what they said. We read this. Then Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. It's not so much a request as a command. Stop doubting and believe. I think that's a command that Jesus can give to all of us. Verse 29 actually tells us that we're more blessed if we believe this eyewitness testimony. We won't see the risen Lord Jesus standing in front of us, but we have the evidence from people who were there that we can trust. And the risen Lord Jesus says to us, will you stop doubting and believe? Thomas shows us what it means to stop doubting and believe. He, he said, we read this in, in verse 28. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. T to believe in Jesus is very personal. It's not just saying, oh, yes, I know the Bible teaches Jesus is Lord and God, and on Easter we, we celebrate his death and resurrection. No, no, it's to fall before the Lord Jesus and to say to him, you're my Lord and you're my God. It's to admit that you need him, that, that he is your king. You're my king, Lord Jesus Christ. You're the only one who has risen and can give me a future after death. You're the only son who can bring me to know your father in heaven. You're the only one who died so I can have forgiveness of my sins. Now let me ask you, if you've never done that, will you do that today? The risen ruling Lord Jesus calls out to you and says, would you come to me and know these wonderful promises that I make to you because I have died and risen. Will you come and have a future after death? Will you come and know my Father in heaven? Will you come and enjoy the forgiveness of your sins? Well, I'm going to end by having just a few moments quiet for us to pray. It might be that you've known the risen Lord Jesus for many years, and you'd like to take those moments to, to thank God for him and all that he means to you. But it might be that you've never come to say, Jesus, you're my Lord and my God. And in a couple of moments quiet, maybe you could say that you're fearful of death and you want hope after it. That you long to know the love of a father in heaven. And therefore you're going to accept the forgiveness of sins he offers and trust in him. I'm going to bow my head and let's just have a couple of moments quiet together. Our Father in heaven, we thank and praise you for our risen Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that because of him we know death is not the end, that he's defeated death for us. 
We thank you that because he's risen, we come now to you, our dear Father, knowing that you accept us, whatever we've done. We thank you that we have forgiveness for all our sins. Please write these truths on our hearts that we might rejoice in them today and every day. For Jesus' name's sake. Amen.